BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. Welcome to Lorehammer Listener Lore, the Warhammer 40k podcast where you get to write the script. If you would like to submit your story, you can email lorehammerpodcast at gmail.com. And if you'd like to support the show and maybe even jump your story in the line, or maybe even read stories with me, or maybe you have a story you would like to read to me, head on over to Patreon at Lorehammer Listener Lore and check out all the cool ways to get involved and support the show. Enjoy. Welcome back to Lorehammer Listen to Lore, the 40k podcast where you get to write the script. Uh, hey everyone, my name is Mark, I'm your host, and joining me again, we got Matthew. Welcome. Howdy folks, thanks for having me Mark, great to be back. Yeah, excited to have you back on, Natty Matty. <laughs> yeah, it sounds like today um, we've got some pretty awesome listener lore for a Loyalist Space Marine chapter called the Grim Howlers. So they just run around the battlefield howling at each other. All the battle cries <laughs> are like communication, different howls and yips. Um, yeah, we'll see swapping colors, doing that kind of things. <laughs> Sniffing each other's asses. <laughs> Marking their territory. Yeah, love it, love it. <laughs> yeah. Um, I haven't read it, so I have no idea actually where it's going, but we're going to get into it and see where it takes us. Um, I'll start and we'll switch back and forth. Um, overview. Yeah, the Grim Howlers The Grim Howlers are a Loyalist Space Marine chapter composed entirely of Primaris Space Marines created from the lineage of Space Wolves and raised during the Ultima founding of CAMM or 999M41. Many Grim Howlers were originally members of Root Gilliman's Unnumbered Sons and fought during the early years of the Indominus Crusade. The chapter specializes in a range of combat and gun lines, as well as in ambush hit-and-run tactics, sending in melee specialists to surprise and discombobulate their enemies. They received their chapter name from the second style of fighting, for though so many of them are stoically quiet, speaking only when necessary, the stealthy shock troops of their chapter become screaming whirlwinds of metal when they enter the fray. Ooh, love it. 
organization and culture, despite adhering loosely to and having respect for the Codex Astartes, they are not Codex compliant, drawing still from the cultural touchstones of the space rules with their own twists. For instance, though they have more conventional librarians, their apothecarian and reclusium remain combined as an order of wolf priests, their mythical chapter founder being alleged to have been one himself. Another unique aspect, aspect of the chapter is that none of the howlers retain their names, choosing instead to be known only by their deed names. It is seen as a way of sacrificing their identity totally towards their commitment to the line of duty. Before they earn their deed name, they're signified by a rune and a number, each company having its own rune and then assigning members a number from one, eins, to 100, two, to gear. <laughs> the number is marked by a, a Roman numeral. Uh, they bear a reverence for the war gear that they've been given, their time of the Mechanicus and call, imparting a strong animistic belief, maybe animalistic belief, towards the tools of their trade. As such, they have trials by which your armour is earned, with each trial being divine from the specific armour set. Preceding this is a bonding ceremony in which the neophyte is proceeded before the armour and war gear, before a set settles upon him, and he undergoes a ritual in which the blood is mixed with the canis helix and then drunk. With a dip, finger dips worth of their blood marking the breastplate of the armour with the neophyte's rune name. Markings are made around the external ports of the black carapace, be they rings of prayers or esoteric patterns meant to bond them with the armour. These markings are made in a similar manner to electus and stimulate the ports as well as the nerves surrounding them. The initiates, sorry, this initiates the trial in which the neophyte must endure the overwhelming sensation and subsequent pain with a clarity of mind. The neophyte will then remain before the armor, meditating and trying to commune with the machine spirit, watched physically and psychically by a council of his elders, at least one wolf priest, iron priest and librarian. Should all go well, what follows is a fairly standard task of skill. The only separation being that it comes directly after the sensory overload and extended meditation. Usually this is some, simply something like sparring a certain number of your, own, of your peers on your own, slaying a specific beast or retrieving something from a foe as an offering. More arcane rites have been required of neophytes by the prospective art, though these circumstances are considered unique. And since it's thought to be the grim that the grim howlers that Wargage, and since it's thought by the grim howlers that Wargage chooses the bearer, there is little eschewing in the way of these trials. Once they have their armor, they are rarely seen outside of it, adhering again to the shedding of their ego in service to the Imperium. They wear their helmets as faceless and ever vigilant warriors. There are two instances where revelry is allowed by the chapter's tenants. So when a neophyte completes their armoring trial successfully and when a Marine receives their deed name, the company, or at least the squad of that individual, will celebrate with three days and nights of feasting, games, and merriment. Afterwards, they are usually selected for whatever the closest mission opportunity is in order to return their minds to duty. Beyond this, most Grim Howlers find the maintenance of their war gear, daily drills, and dedication towards those they protect to be reward enough. They know well that their gene father was considered the executioner of the emperor, 
But in contrast, they believe themselves to be the shield to his people, the silent knife which trims the enroaching rocks before they're consumed. Because of this, they regularly will remain in positions defensively, often bringing up the rear of most forces in an effort to ensure the appropriate eradication as well as subsequent reconst sorry, reconstruction is performed. Their preference as a rear guard and as, a, as, and as sentinels earning them ire from their more forward motion geared brethren. Notable members. <clears throat> Chapter founder, Wolf Priest Blacksong. A stern and dour veteran of the scouring who had grown despondent over the state of the Imperium following the Horus heresy. He felt that much of the failure of the Astartes and those who'd fallen with them was rooted in their ego and pride um, in their ego, the pride of his own chapter shining through in that. Despite the love that he held for the Battle Brothers, as well as the Imperium, he knew that the true time of breaking would be upon them if they did not dedicate themselves towards humanity's preservation. He was approached by Belisarius when it seemed like he, Blacksong, might splinter away and form a new chapter. The prospect sounding amicable to Blacksong was pursued and he assisted in recruiting the individuals who would go on to become the Primaris of the Grim Howlers. Current chapter master called Breaker of Rings. Breaker of Rings Silverhand. Silverhand is a quiet man, even by the... Uh, reticent standards of the grim howlers his deed name is fairly self-evident to any who have seen him as his right arm uh, from his shoulder down is bionic made from clean silvery metal rumored to contain adamantium it is said that he earned his name and lost his arm at the battle of lion's gate the limb torn from him by a coronate juggernaut as he defended a civilian hab he now leads the majority of the chapter in efforts to establish sanctuary in the Dark Imperium, putting down remnants of high fleet Leviathan and quashing freebrooder raiding parties with precision and prejudice. Dreadnought Grim Lord Starfall, the first of the Grim Howlers to be entombed, a compassionate warrior who oft times remained oft times remains awake in order to provide tactical input to his company, still functioning as captain, called Grim Lord for the second company. Current Wolf High Priest, Wolf Priest Pale Fear, the successor of Black Song, a staunch and determined and pragmatic individual, gained their deed name during the subjugating of rebelling, uh, rebellion upon the ice world of Imperium Nihilus. Ship Commander Iron Priest Forerunner, in the commanding officer of the Vanguard class light cruiser, Bale Worker, is said to have a temperament more akin to that of their predecessor legion, an aggressively inclined warrior with thoughts eternally mired in mis, uh, from a, from premonitions hmm. and void tales. Upon the back of his helmet, he has placed the eye of aversions, as he says his eyes are ever focused upon the task at hand, so he must be wary of the ones that follow. <clears throat> Details of note. Uh, they are a fleet-based chapter who draw from many worlds and locales, believing a mixture of perspectives to be beneficial to the functioning of even a regimented chapter like their own. That being said, they do seem to have a preference for drawing from the void-born urchins of starcrafts or orbital stations. Due to superstitious mistrust of void-born, the proclivity of recruitment is kept private, if not secret. They do not trust the Inquisition 
and are generally suspicious of their unchecked authority. Due to their ties to the Adeptus Mechanicus and their animistic, animalistic maybe, beliefs relating to machine spirits, uh, they have an above average number of iron priests. In addition to their technical and ritual duties, the iron priests of the Grim Howlers will also gain favour with the machine spirits of their fleet ships, having remained an additional five years on Mars to understand the intricacies of this rite. As a result, they are regarded as the de facto commanding officers of whichever vessels they occupy, subordinate in, sorry, subordinate in naval judgment only to the breaker of rings or the navigators of nomadic house Kaya Arahai, who shepherd their fleet. Their chapter Barku or Bark is known as the Howling Dirge. It is a relic from ages long past, gifted, gifted to them by the High Lord of Terra for their aid in its defence. <clears throat> it is also speculated in secret that the Grim Howlers may actually be the product of gene seed splicing. This chimeric offspring of not only their known pre predecessors of the Space Wolves, but also that of the Salamanders and all the Raven Guard. These rumours spawn from the recruiting practices of the Grim Howlers. Suspicious being even that the Canis Helix, which they imbibe, may actually be some sort of transubstantive chemical co cocktail. They also originate from the fact that the Astartes in question are not seen out of their armour, therefore leading to questions regarding their physical appearance. Many Grim Howlers will take the time to deepen their bond with their war gear, modifying or embellishing their armour, weapons and equipment gradually to better suit their individual practices while still fitting in their designated specialisation. Grim Howler ranks and titles. Breaker of Rings equals Chapter Master. Grimlord equals Captain. Thane equals Lieutenant. Huskarl equals Sergeant. It is considered an especially great honour for any who sail in the Grimhowler's fleet to be chosen to become an Astartes. This is done rarely, though the wolf priests regularly test the genetic viability of their serfs. A well-regarded specialty within the chapter's serfs is that of a corpmortal uh, or trade clerk, whose duty is to maintain open channels with planets and stations so that the fleet and chapter may remain well supplied. Like their predecessors, the Grim Howlers are apt to perform a sending away ritual for their honourable dead. Theirs, however, is much shorter, consisting of a solemn gathering where the body of the deceased is burnt and their closest companions, usually their squad mates, subordinate officers, sometimes serfs, etc., will take a small marking of ash and sing the black song for those in attendance. Once this is done, the remains of the deceased are scattered into the void, where it is said that their soul will wander between the stars like the great wolves of legend. Among the serfs of the chapter, the abhuman variant of the Longshanks is not an uncommon sight due to the chapter's fleet-based nature, long gravity segments of their vessels, and preference to draw from Voidborn. Relics, the Iron Verse, an iron halo made from the head of the broken Crozius of Blacksong, it is currently in the possession of the Grim Howler's chapter master, Silverhand. <clears throat> Aesthetics. Their armour is the colour of oily steel, the trim and eyes being a sky blue, and the field of sorry, the field of the pauldron, as well as the greaves being a midnight blue. Their chapter symbol is of a snarling black hound with mad eyes set against a bone white moon, the hound curling upon itself almost like an Ouroboros. Rune names are placed upon the helmet, 
and the back of the power pack. They're color denoting the rank of the individual. Any extra detailing is usually done in one of the accessory colors, sky or midnight blue or in bone white. Examples, the exhaust ports of most of the Grim Howlers are midnight blue trimmed with sky blue. And the left knee and breastplate decoration, the Imperialis, Aquila, etc., of most are sky blue. Veterans will often have the left gauntlet of their helm bone white with a red rune name. On a guard called uh, Varangians or Varangians will, Varangians will replace the bone white with chaplain black. And now we uh, change into a narrative that he wrote called The Recruitment of Silver Hand. A boy sits alone within the dark innards of his birthplace. Above him, pipes whine with a voice no longer noticed, and the bundle of cables that blocks the outside light trundles from side to side as somewhere a corpse machine adds a new electrical vein. He considers the crumb of food, his own sunken gut, and the calendar of notes he'd made in the oil stains near the, his nest. He tucks the crumb back away into the safety of its can beneath the folds of his clothing. It will be a prize when he is free. He nestles into the familiar filth and tries to sleep, though he cannot. Eventually, his stupor is interrupted as Lassidi returns. She has found water, and re she reassures him she did so unseen. He would have gone himself had the secret ways not become too small for him. It is why he had not eaten so long. They both drink the pipe drippings of sparring in sparring gulps of metallic flavor. It is no more than half a cup, and despite his protests, he is made to drink a greater share of it. You are bigger, she says, and I have drunk more in the past few days than you have all week. He wants to contend with this, to decline, to remain stoic and staunch, but her eyes are set, and he relents. She is his only friend. She has always been his only friend. Tucked together in a wall beneath pipes and wires, they sleep, and Dejin dreams of tomorrow. They run. Not just he and Lasidi, but many children, some from other hiding places, others who had been freed from the factory. The ship had only completed its docking a moment ago, but there was no time to waste. The older children had cleared the way, having secreted away weapons with which they had killed or disabled the taskmaster's guards. They now posted before Dejin, corner to corner, door to door, bloody tools in their hands. He and Lasidi gripped each other's hands. He was slower than her, tired and afraid of what might happen. Every legging step, she'd pull him further forward. A hand holding a shank raises, two fingers signaling a halt. Around the crowd, a few dozen children he hears, the stomps of boot echoing from neighboring halls. Metal on metal as the merchant vessel mobilizes its peacekeepers to put down another worker revolt. They could not be captured. Lucidi lets go of his hand for only a moment to quite, uh, to quiet a carrying child holding an infant. She speaks to him with intensity, even anger, before tugging him into a hug. As the echoes dull, the children take to a running again. And from the near endless mage of patchwork, patchwork metal, guttering lumens, and winding gears, they arrive at their destination. With the effort of three elder children, a piece of camouflage is removed from a hole, revealing a dark maintenance closet. 
into it one of into it the ones with the weapons huddle first dejin did dejin not far behind as he is near their age he squeezes lasidi's hand as she squeezes back they throw open the door and all of them run blindly into the overwhelming light of the shipping bay tiny feet pounding across grated metal and rockcrete some of them screaming in fear exultation in hopes of wild intimidation or some combination of all of the above the screaming is cut short of course the gravity here is different the factory workers respond better as they've uh, been made to build muscle but all of them feel the press mm -hmm. regardless of that it is through desperate will that they continue moving near as quickly as they did even as each of them feels the dreamlike press holding them down pushing them back towards the abuse as a crowd of the bay did not break from them they managed to slip by desperate workers without is issue but soon after saw the bustling trade hub at the lip of the bay was only giving them cursory glances it is not until they began to close the distance that the clean faces of the spare space-faring citizens realized what it is they were truly seeing Behind them were shouts, some from workers, some more commanding from the newly arrived peacekeepers. Dread swells into Jin and presses up against his burning lungs. His long, thin limbs pump like pistons against the gravity. Lasidi runs before him, her meager superiority in, healthy, in health carrying her seemingly miles ahead of himself. They're almost there. The crowd is parting and he can see the detail of the station before him now. It is spread out before them like a pair of welcoming arms. They're almost there. And then he is thrown to the ground. The peacekeepers had no issue with the act, with the gravity. Their own rations had not been meager. Their sleep interrupted by overtime or the malice of other des uh, destitute or creeping hands of overseers. They were well-polished cog, ready to crush an, an insect at the thought of the gap manageable. Dejin tastes blood from what, where his face struck the floor. He hears screaming, yelping, and the wet crunch of batons striking little bodies. He looks up from where he's being held and sees the other children being subdued with seemingly little effort. And in a few cases, vehemently bitterness. A few of them skir skirt the subjugation for a moment, only to get outflanked or overpowered. A few more make the mistake of fighting back. The element of surprise is no longer on their side, and they are outnumbered. Their crackings, their cracked skulls will likely line the storage walls of the corpse machines. He finally sees Lasidi, pressed beneath the knee of the peacekeeper. She stares back to him, her face smeared with blood and grime from where it scraped against the grating beneath them. Her eyes were pinpoints of fear, and she seems to be having difficulty breathing against both the gravity and the brute's knees. In his side, Yijin feels a press of a can, its edge digging into his armpit. And then he feels rage. He struggles against his captor, snarling, spitting with unbridled anger. A howl tears, tears from his throat, filled with untold years of pain. A howl that could split the void. A howl to save his only friend. It is caught, cut off by a casual flick of a baton against his skull. He bites down hard and feels his mouth fill with blood. He is not sure quite what happens, if it is because of the pressure, the strike, the blood, the exertion, or any number of things, but beneath his fogging vision, he vomits and is pressed down once again, sputtering and coughing. And then the ringing in his ears comes 
a booming voice like none he's heard before. Halt! At once, the pressure of the peacekeepers above him loosens. He feels the vibration of heavy footfalls upon the grating unable to see between the filth and the dark spots. Dark spots. Release them! It comes again, still loud, but even tempered this time. The pressure relieves itself and he curls up, wiping his eyes and trying to call, crawl to Lacidi. He finds her with his hands, her form apparent, though the now lightning spots. Lightning spots. Dejin looks around, first at the bloodied gang, some of whom surely must have been killed, so badly were they injured, and then at what had been silenced, and then at what had silenced the adults. Before him stands the tallest man he had ever seen. No, not a man. The individual before him could not be further from a man. He was like a statue given motion, clad in magnificent obsidian armor and furs, and crowned in pristine canine canid skull helm. From the pits of the helm sockets, red eyes stared down at him. He, the wolf god, spoke to the peacekeepers again in a way that made them seem like he was writing fate itself. These are my children now. And so they were. As he took them and as and had cared for them, he healed and nourished. Never did Dejin need dream for the tomorrow again, for their tomorrow again, for the black song had given it to them. Okay, the Grim Howlers. That was pretty cool. That was a pretty cool story. Um, I got a couple little thoughts about like the the chapter overview or whatever. Um, the first thing I kind of jumped out to me was the deed name and how kind of cool that was, how they how they get that. And, uh, you know, then they write their deed name on their helmet, on the back of their backpack, and kind of some of those cool details where you can transfer lore directly into tabletop miniatures. I always like that. Yeah, 100%. I thought, um, you know, it, I could almost in my own mind see a bit of a, you know, a casual link between these guys and um, maybe mongrel dogs in the best kind of way because they, they capture so much from other chapters and stuff. Like, for instance, custodies, you know, they they um, they function via deed names. Yeah, um, yeah. Um, yeah, pretty cool. I love that. That was pretty awesome. Yeah. Um, yeah. He used some great, or he or she, sorry, used some great. Um... Bet MGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at Bet MGM. Simply download the Bet MGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, Place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager. Only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. Really inspired deed names too. Some cool stuff in there. Yeah, cool yeah. Um, I never said who this story was written by... Um... Maybe I'll try to find that and then say. <laughs> um, the the other cool thing that I really <laughs> enjoyed was uh, 
the trials of the armor. That was super interesting. You don't often hear a lot about the the machine spirits in the power armor, but yeah, they all have their own like kind of AI systems going on. Did you ever yeah. play any of the Death Watch Fantasy Flight game RPG stuff? Have you ever looked at any of that? Uh, I've looked into it, but unfortunately, I've yet to find enough people to rope into um, sit down and, <laughs> <laughs> and play with. But yeah, no. <laughs> yeah, one of the cool things in there is yeah, when you're making your character, yeah, you get to roll on different tables and stuff. You roll what type of power armor you have, but then the cool detail is you actually can roll what type of machine spirit you have. Where you know some were like uh, beaten but not broken, and this this suit of armor has had many. Uh, different replacement pieces so the machine spirit is like hardened and uh you know they'd come up with a bunch of different of these kind of cool little machine spirit variations so i really kind of like that tie in there that's awesome super flavorful yeah I, I i have never put that much thought into what sort of variation might be in the machine spirit of the power armor so yeah that's pretty cool yeah i i definitely recommend um like just googling fantasy flight games death watch power armor and hopefully that will come up and you can kind of see the different types of machine spirits and yeah very cool and then they just kind of lock themselves in their armor for the rest of time and yeah very nice very cool yeah absolutely i was actually surprised one thing um that stood out to me was the chimeric gene seed that it's inferred that they might be split between yeah. I was surprised to see which ones they were because to me it was very, you know, it's very dawn to sit and meditate in pain to, you know, get to, um, you know, the, the point where you're, you know, able to do this thing or you've earned this thing. It's very pain glove to me. Mm, um, interesting. Yeah, then, yeah. Yeah. Um, whereas I didn't see a lot of Raven Garden here, but maybe I missed that somewhere. Maybe I missed that. Yeah. Like sometimes I feel like, the gene seed and chapters get too much kind of tie in together where, yeah, these guys were kind of stealthy. So then it's like, oh, are they Raven Guard because they are stealthy? Like, I don't know. Like, I feel like yeah. sometimes the gene seed ties a little too close to a chapter when I don't feel like that's how it actually operates. Just because you're a Raven Guard successor doesn't mean you're, you're stealthy like them. Um, yeah. Yeah. But, I, I suppose the only real significant ones would be your chapters like, uh, that you can't really get away from would be like you know your, your blood angels for obvious reasons or um or probably space your space wolves yeah. yeah yeah exactly yeah you know like um i mean i think they recently changed the law so that primaris um do in fact have the canis helix so this makes sense but yeah um i thought that there was some law and I may be incorrect so i'm by no means an expert but i thought that there was a little bit of law that space marine um, genetic material was pretty much incompatible for Chaos Marines with other gene seed uh, because of the Canis Helix. So I'm yeah. not too sure if the author may want to look into that. Um, but that's, yeah, that's, that, that is something I, th I thought I had read or heard on Audible somewhere. So Yeah, that's um, kind of how yeah. I've always interpreted it too. Like it's such a unique gene seed to take on that Canis Helix. That, yeah, you, I don't know. That part kind of is it feel like it felt like it was just added in there with no real point. We get this one little paragraph about how they might be offsprings of salamanders and raven guard, and then it just kind of disappears again. Um 
Yeah, 100%. And I mean, it, it could be really cool if they leaned into that mutt concept where, you know, maybe they're a little doggy from the Space Marine stuff, but, you know, they incorporate a little bit more from the other chapters. But yeah, this, this is pretty much, in my mind, it, it, it looks and sounds like, you know, a, a run-of-the-mill sort of Space Wolf chapter with, um, you know, maybe except they like shooting a little bit more. Or, or Yeah, yeah. Like, or the, you know, their apothecaries and the chaplains are the same. Um, you know, they have all their deeds and stuff that they do. Like, yeah, it's very Space Marine or Space Wolf light. Like, it's pretty much the same chapter. <laughs> yeah, 100%. I mean, one kudos for sure, though, is I actually, I'm not too sure if these are, are these already the naming conventions in some of the um, Space Wolf, um, like, Legion? Or, like, or is this, like, Th is Thane used anywhere? I think Huskarl is, is used, but... Breaker yeah. of Rings, I believe. Is yeah, and like um, Grimlord also is like his creation and stuff. Um, yeah, yeah. I, I love that. I actually prefer that to the naming conventions of the Space Wolves, you know. Um, <laughs> wolf, wolf guy, Wolf lad, Wolf boy, Wolf man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, so, very cool. I The other interesting thing that kind of jumped out to me was the use of Longshanks. Uh, the abhuman long shanks where they're basically just like tall gangly low gravity humans and stuff um yeah absolutely um that's super fascinating uh, that pointing that out was actually one of my probably one of my only proper gripes of the story actually was i believe that the primaris that were provided by cole did in fact the the original humans origin sorry the original humans used by Cole I think that they came from Fenris because the Canis Helix is almost adaptive particularly to their 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 genes of those humans or whatever is going on yeah. whereas I'm not sure that some dudes floating around in space would have the ability to um to 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 mesh with the canis helix i wouldn't have thought but the, yeah um, i kind of go with that too like ab humans are not humans like you to become a space marine you already have to be genetically compatible and that's such a rare thing as it is that like if you're an ab human you're already a genetic step over it's just like you don't see augrin space marines like they are a step removed yeah. from humanity um, rattling space marines. <laughs> God damn, I'd play a game if they, yeah, no, okay, well, that someone needs to do that, by the way. Please submit that as your law. <laughs> yeah. Um, oh. Yeah, it sounds like they use these, like, Longshanks as sometimes more just, like, the chapter fleet people, more so than, like, they're recruiting directly from them. But he does say that there are kind of, he there are some Longshank Astartes as well. So, yeah, that's interesting. Um, yeah. It, yeah. yeah, it just goes into, like, there's a lot of genetic, space genetics that go into Astartes where, uh, I don't know, sometimes people break that a little bit like the long shanks and then you got chimeric gene seed so now you got to be compatible with space marine raven guard and space wolf uh or salamanders raven guard and space wolf's genetics and then you still got to be a long shank like it's a lot of genetic incompatibility that could be stacked on top of each other yeah that's it and uh yeah and, and like I, I think the one thing that probably needs to like Oh, well, it doesn't need to be. You can do anything in your own law. Like, this is all headcanon. But, 
my strong advice would be for it to be widely accepted by the community is that those set of rules around the genetics, the gene seed, like that needs to be pretty rigorous. People are going to run over that with a fine tooth comb. Like if you brought this to a table at a competition said, oh, hey, you know, I've got, Space wolves who are also who are also who are also who are also is gonna be like, dude. <laughs> yeah, no, it's worth a table flip for sure. If I read this, yeah. Lord, before I forget the guy, <laughs> fuck your minis. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, awesome. awesome. Yeah, like I, I, I liked. Let's say I like ninety percent of it, and like there was such cool parts with the trial of armor and the machine spirit and even just being a little more space wolf light where it's not just wolf on wolf. Like there's a lot of good, but yeah, if it was me, I would definitely remove that little bit about the chimeric gene seed. It just seems so unnecessary. And like the long shanks, I, you know, as long as you're not stacking eight genetic things on top of each other, you can get away with it. Leave the long shanks or leave the chimeric gene seed, but to do both, it's a little much. Yeah, absolutely. And I probably should have prefaced a lot of what I said with, um, the only reason that I've got so many things to say about this particular piece or whoever wrote this author is, is not because I'm trying to poop on it. It's actually a fantastic piece. It's just, you've got so much intensity in your law that there's really a lot to break open and talk about. So kudos to you. Yeah. 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 It's, it's pretty cool, man. It's pretty cool. Uh, This story was written by Isaac, by the way. So thank you, Isaac, for submitting. Um, Yeah. That's kind of all I had to say about the kind of chapter part of it. Do you have anything else before we jump into the story aspect? Um, not really. Uh, the one thing, sorry, there was one. No, that's it. Let's jump into it. (laughs) Okay. Okay. Yeah. The narrative, (laughs) it was very cool. Like, uh, it was pretty fucking grim, dark talking about children getting baton to the back of the head, but fuck that's okay that's 40k yeah that's it very 40k i, I was actually um impressed and i take every opportunity to say this that i can being a bit of an author myself <laughs> but, but um no nah, hey look this was this was actually yeah you, you're isaac you're, you're definitely an intelligent person it's it's very clear in this you're also very well spoken um i thought the story was great yeah. um i really wanted to just just reach out and say hey um i was so impressed with this that i think if, if you change some pretty significant structural things to your writing um as well as just some specific story elements yeah you would definitely have the capacity to um to to get published man like this is it's well thought out it's deep um there's just some some basic stuff that, that's tripped over in the uh, the actual writing itself the story is great um, um, do you have like but, an example of kind of these uh, these examples? Yeah, or whatever? yeah. Ab- absolutely. Um, so one would be <clears throat> the the order in which you explain a scene is generally pretty particular. Okay. So um, that might that might sound strange, but like you, it, a, a cheap author or a basic author, they describe a room as you enter the room, right? So, like, yeah. you know, you would go, like, for instance, and some of our classic authors do that, but classic authors today wouldn't get published today. Where, mm. yeah, the, the machines moved on. So, but if you were to enter a room, you wouldn't go, Mark entered the room and he saw that the room was white. 
and the, the couches were blah, 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 and the blah, yeah. blah, blah was blah, 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 and the blah, 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 and then you talk about the story. Now, sure. you haven't specifically done this, but the, the inference of the things that you're talking about sort of do, um, you know, like sits alone in the dark, innards of his birthplace, wonderful, fantastic, like really drawing um, language use. Yeah, um, yeah. Talk about... Yeah, then we talk about like pipes, talk about cables, talk about it blocks the outside lights, talk about trundles. There's a corpse machine there. There's electric vein. Um, you know, there's oil stains. Um, there's clothing that there, blah, blah, blah. And then we get into the story. Instead, um, really show what the room is like by people interacting with it. Generally, mm. you're actually better off. You don't, you don't need to describe a room at, at all. Like, you know, there are some authors that love getting super deep into the description of a room where they talk about the wall sconces or blah, 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 blah. But yeah. really, if you sit down and, and, and read a book with some of their, you know, really up there authors, they might point out like one, like really specific thing in a room and really describe it like, um, you know, really beautifully or intricately or, or intensely. Um, yeah. Or maybe another, or a couple of things, but yeah, they they don't go. The room was A B C D E F, and then sure, sure. talk, and, and then jump in a story. So, um, yeah. But like, otherwise, so instead yeah. of like describing the oil stains, you know, uh, you have somebody slip on the oil stain instead of saying there are oil stains on the ground. You say, yeah, yeah somebody ex yeah, exactly. Yeah. You know, his his boot was sticky as he left the room because he's, he trod in an oil stain, however you want to describe that. There's something, you know, like that. Like, yeah, yeah, tr just try to find more subtle ways of describing a world and it wouldn't be so jarring to a publisher, yeah. potentially, I find. Yeah, um, I, I like what you said where it's like, yeah, don't describe it, try to interact with the room. Yeah, ex that's, that's so well put, Mark, yeah. And cool. I, I think... Um, one of the the go to like it's like um, yeah it's like rule umro uno for for writing is show don't tell, um, but mm. sometimes what the what what does that even mean? Do you know what I mean? Like show don't tell, and some authors do tell and they get very successful. But yeah, interacting instead of telling that's that was very beautifully put. That was cool. probably more um yeah you, that that sentence probably had more depth to it than you thought it did initially <laughs> very very well put dude <laughs> I, I never would have thought of that until yeah you kind of put that in my mind this is what i love about like reading all these lores and stuff like i'm not an author but you know i've talked to a bunch of people who are writing books and doing whatever have english degrees and yeah i i learned so much as well about just how to actually write um like one thing i noticed when going through here like um there was a lot of visual things and I've, I've said this a bunch um when you're when you're describing things there's more than just sight don't forget to describe smells don't forget to describe textures oh. and you know all all Dude, the different yeah. you yeah you literally had yeah that was my exact next note man yeah that was so yeah exactly right you know um and if you you know we've all heard before or lots of us have heard before you know smell actually um has a stronger connection to memory than than sight does yeah like you, if you you know like if your father drove around in a fucking 73 camaro with those specific seats and then you jump in when you're 40 and you don't even look at the model of car and you smell you can smell those fucking seats and you go holy yeah. shit, this is my dad's car yeah. and that's you know 
Like, what a strong story element. That's something, you know, it's stupid, but we've all had similar experiences to that, and it's super powerful in a story. Yeah, super yeah. Um, um, yeah, even, um, like, music as well is, like, another big trigger. Like, visual is probably the hardest memory or hardest memory to remember is the visual component. But, yeah, you can be remembered the smell or the the sound a lot easier. Um, very interesting. Yeah, that's right. It's also probably most limiting to write about if you really think about it. You know, like when you look back, you go, "Yeah, it was it was dark, and there was rocks, blah blah blah." <laughs> but you can like you can really get into the smell of something. You know, like the iron on the air. You know, he could taste like, blah blah blah, like the the earth in his mouth. But like, yeah, it's really super. If you chucked in some of that, my man Isaac, yeah, you'd you'd have something pretty cool here. Yeah, yeah. Um, you do already have something pretty cool, but it would just bring it up that whole nother notch. Yeah. Um, one one thing that um, I had was I, I don't know why they're doing what they're doing. Ah, uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, like they're just um, running to a place. We don't even really know where they're running. They never even get to the destination that they're supposed to go. They get stopped along the way. Yeah, they're... I see what you're saying. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, like in a – and we might only have been – He Isaac might have just provided us a snippet of a larger story or something, um, but it's very important to a reader to experience a journey. It doesn't necessarily need to be from A to Z, but we need to sort of know where we're going. And um, in this, all I know is that a couple of kids got together and for some reason they're willing to stab some dudes and go for a run. And then <laughs> the people are like, fuck that, you're not going nowhere. So, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. I, yeah. Other, otherwise, yeah. Pretty cool. Pretty cool. Yeah. Some of your your language use in here was fantastic. Yeah. No. It was a. It was a great little story. Um, yeah. I think. I think I like it. I think overall, I like it. Couple minor changes here and there, but overall, like I, I definitely want to see more. I, I, I like them better than the Space Wolf just because they're not firing wolf bullets. I can tell you that much. Yeah. Exactly, dude. Yeah, honestly, um, I think the more we've discussed this, the more I've liked it too. Uh, yeah. But yeah, with those few changes, man, if I like, if I was across the table from you and I saw you you put this out, Isaac, and I asked you a little about your law, I reckon I'd probably spend 70% of the game asking you about the law and not giving a fuck whether you're totaling my Imperial Guard or my Orc, so I would just be so enthralled, so... <laughs> Um, yeah, like, yeah, uh, uh, yeah. Change a few things up like that. I reckon. Oh well, advice. Keep it how you want it. You're, you know, it's your piece, your baby. But um, yeah, if, if you had um, yeah, made those extra steps, it would be pretty awesome piece, dude. Yeah. Um, the one thing you were talking about, and this is not directly tied to his lore, but the the mutt theme. So we got the space wolves, um, and then you were talking about how mutts and the mixed gene like i just think of this other chapter called like the emperor's mutts where maybe they're not using chimeric gene seed but maybe they uh use gene seed, gene seed from all over the different chapters where it's like they're this kind of you know you might have a raven guard mutt next to a space wolf mutt like and it's kind of this a yeah, whole bunch of chapters dude, coming together that'd be really cool yeah that that's yeah, the that challenge be... for somebody to write up i think uh, a chapter chapter called the emperor's yeah. mutts absolutely yeah and maybe they could you know like i don't know like even as a law piece you could get away with being called the mutts or something if you're pretending to be space wolves and it was yeah legitimate yeah just you know random um 
gene seed from every which way in that. I mean, almost definitely technically making them heretics or at least renegades. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the, the furthest thing from the codex as is possible. But geez, that'd be cool, man. That'd be so sweet. Like, you know, uh, yeah. maybe they take a shitload of losses in every battle they're in because they just fought like a hundred random dudes instead of one <laughs> yeah. unit. Like, almost like orcs, like football hooligans, but it's fucking space brains. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, that'd yeah. be really cool. Yeah. The, the mutt theme would be pretty awesome. Yeah. Plus, it's just a nice fucking insult, you know. Yeah, it is. It's like you know, people it's their... the church. <laughs> yeah, that's it. Yeah, hundred percent. You know, they, they could almost like, um, you know, they're like reclaiming a bad word, like they're reclaiming the n word. You know, like people, <laughs> the other bloody, you know, people are like, oh, you filthy mutts, and they're like, yeah, <laughs> my mutt. <laughs> yeah, my... <laughs> Oh yes, I like that. Okay, well that that <laughs> that's how you get cancelled. I'm sure of it. But fuck it. Yeah, sorry, sorry, I took it there, Mark. But you, <laughs> no, you. <laughs> oh whatever. We're not you saying it in a derogatory thing. word. We're taking that word back. Yeah, we said mop with a soft T, so it's fine. <laughs> 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 Awesome. Oh jeez, uh, Lord! I've got my real name on here. I'm gonna get fired. <laughs> I'm sure that's, that's Natty Natty is not your real name. I'm sure that's but... correct. Yeah, my <laughs> legal name is Natty Natty. Yes, but <laughs> oh man, uh, awesome, awesome. Um, any other thoughts or um. No, that's pretty much it for me, my dude. Um, yeah, loved it. Just probably to circle back and point out a few things that I re that really stood out to me as awesome. Yeah, um, was yeah the naming conventions, dude. Fantastic. Yeah, your your language use was fantastic. Um, yeah, you had some really gripping story and stuff. Yeah, one thing I, I would suggest. Um, for any read like any listeners out there is if you're going to submit some law and you've got some really particular uh words in there like or names or names of planets or something like this and i'm guilty i didn't do this but maybe when you submit your law if just for um us the the readers or the hosts just like how you actually would say the word mm. would probably help help out i don't know about you mark but like i got caught on like the planet and stuff I'm yeah, or like I didn't the, know how to uh, enunciate it. Yeah, or like some of the the ranks or whatever. Like uh, I'm trying to find, uh, it's spelled K A U P M A O U R, Kapamoro. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah, that's how right. the fuck do yeah, you say that? <laughs> yeah, it's even. I think it's got an inflection on the the D or the O or something like that. So yeah, yeah like um. If you spell maybe some of these words phonetically at the start, we would, yeah, or Mark would have a, you know, a, a probably easier time <laughs> pronouncing. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, that, that's a great suggestion, actually, for, like, because it's just such an easy thing to just put in brackets right beside it the first time you use that word, how you actually phonetically say it. I love that. 
Yeah, just to do the writers justice, you know, they put a lot of effort into it and then they probably cringe every time we butcher there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Awesome. He, he, it sounds so it. much cooler when he says it and then we just are like, yeah, the coming up and ums. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's right. He's like, I say Mark with the hard T, so you need to say it with the hard T. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's funny. But yeah, no, cool. Uh, that's it for me, pretty much, man. Cool. Well, Isaac, thank you for writing and thank you for sharing your lore with us. Uh, if anyone has more that they would like to submit, don't forget you can email lorehammerpodcast at gmail.com. And if you like the show, don't forget once again to go to Lorehammer Listener Lore on Patreon and throw me a buck. That always helps keep the show going. Always very nice. Uh, Natty Maddie, thank you for joining me. Awesome. No worries anytime, my man. Thank you for having me. Yeah, a lot of fun. And uh, we will see you all on the next episode of Lorehammer Listen Lore. Adios. Thanks for listening. If you would like to submit your story, you can email lorehammerpodcast at gmail.com. And don't forget to check out our Patreon page and support the show at Lorehammer Listener Lore. See you next episode. Bet MGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at Bet MGM. Simply download the Bet MGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, Place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager. Only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C.